You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 339, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members just like you. iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 339. My name is Ron Richards, and I like to experiment with the way I say things. I'm also here with Connor Kilpatrick. Oi! And Josh Flanagan. Hey. Oh, well, he went in a different direction. Uh, we are from the website iFanboy.com, which is a website that's dedicated to the enjoyment and love of comic books. And every week, we read a whole stack of comics that come out, and one of us goes through his stack and, and blesses one book as his pick of the week, writes a review of it up on iFanboy.com, and then we come back here to talk about it as, all, as well as all the other great books that came out this week, and sometimes the not-so-great books that came out. Um, and we talk about it all. We talk about what happens in it. So be warned. We might spoil things for you. So if you haven't read your comics yet, uh, press pause and come back and listen later. Or just be warned, um, don't bother us if we ruin something for you. We're sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, this week, Connor had to pick. Bruce Wayne has a brother. Oh, there you go. Spoiler. Um, this week, the pick is Batman number 10. I said in my pick week review that much like the Captain America of old, in fact, the namesake of the Captain America problem, Batman is so good month in and month out that it's very difficult to... Not talk about, but but praise in a way that you find something new to talk about every time. And we have this problem with books like Scalped and Chew and and Captain America in the old days. Think books that are just so good every time you're just like, up, oh, that was good again. They've ra- they've 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 set the bar very high. Right. Yeah. Um. So that often means that you have to wait for something really big to happen in the plot in order to to freak you know freak out find something to, to talk about. Now that doesn't mean we've overly praised Batman. It's only been pick of the week uh, twice. I think this is only the second time out of ten issues, so it's not like it's always been pick of the week. Um, it's, well, it's been the community pick of the week every single time, right? Last week, last time we made the pick of the week, it was the rotating issue, the one that spun. In this number issue, five. Batman number ten is the penultimate issue of the Court of Owls storyline. It ends next month at number eleven, and uh, which is strange. You think in the day of the, you know, the trade, it'd be number twelve, but it's number eleven. Um, in this issue, we, we find out that. Mm, there hasn't been somebody sort of pulling the strings of the Court of Owls, but there's somebody working within, inside the Court of Owls for his own means. And that person was Lincoln March, the the uh, mayoral candidate we met in the first issue who was killed, quote-unquote, killed in the last issue, issue number who, nine. Who we commented when we first met him that he looked an awful lot like Bruce Wayne. Right, and everyone talked about that, how it was a shortcoming of Capullo's art, that he drew everybody to look the same, and ha, 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 he must have had a good laugh over that. <laughs> I because can, the well, I can Bruce, guarantee he had a good laugh over that. <laughs> he, he didn't laugh. He, he went on the internet and said, that's not it! <laughs> and, and so, he, with this issue, it's revealed that Lincoln March is someone who claims to be Thomas Wayne Jr., uh, the long-lost brother of Bruce Wayne. Now, uh, that is the big twist. If you want to know more, I think... There's been people complaining that the twist is so soap opera. Well, first of all, comics, superhero comics are soap operas. That's what they are. Second of all, uh, people complain that you need to know all this Bronze Age history to understand the impact. I don't think that's true either. It's, a, it's still an impactful twist. But if you want to know more, Thomas Wayne Jr. isn't a construct of Scott Snyder, which is some, some people thought. Uh, he is a character from the Bronze Age. He, was, he showed up in the world's finest issue in the 70s. He was the insane brother of Bruce Wayne who sacrificed his life to save Bruce. And then Grant Morrison brought him back in Justice League of America Earth 2, the OG and he did with Frank Whiteley, where, where uh, Bruce Wayne, Thomas Wayne Jr. was Owlman on Earth 2. He oh, the- Owlman. Wait a minute. Yeah. Right. So in this issue, we have the insane, the possible, well, first of all, we don't know if it's really Thomas Wayne Jr. or just somebody claiming to be him. We have the, the insane brother of Bruce Wayne who is now donned an owl suit to be sort of the um, not Owlman of Gotham City. <laughs> Uh, so it, the, he he weaves together these two appearances to, to create this new this new situation. I thought it was very, I I loved it. I thought it was ballsy. I think it's ballsy to always change something that's so ingrained for a character that's so popular like Batman to add the brother. Um, just like he changed basically the whole origin of Dick Grayson with the Court of Owls storyline. But uh, I thought it was exciting. I thought it was fun. I thought it's it's nice to have an adversary. It's always nice to have an adversary for Batman that's actually an adversary. 
In this case, it would be someone who is possibly as smart and as and as capable. And now with the serum he's drink, he's had he's consumed the talon serum. He can't be killed or hurt. Uh, so now he's someone who can actually hurt Batman, and not just physically, but also emotionally, if he actually is the brother, which we don't know. Um, and I thought once again, Greg Capullo is just putting on a cl- superhero drawing clinic. And there's there's people that are as good as him, but there's no one better than him right now making superhero comics in terms of art. He's just he does, he does big exciting action. He does everything. The yeah. thing about him right now is I I feel like uh, I feel like he's he's really into it obviously, but I feel like he's he's acting like he's got something to prove, and I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean literally he's he's like you know you yeah, you guys ignored me while I was doing Spawn. Look at what I'm doing right now, and he's and like he's blowing everybody away, and and because of that attitude and that skill all put together, I think the best athletes always feel mm-hmm. like they've got something to prove, no matter how many t- championships they've won or how many. It, games it feels won. a lot like that. That's true. They, they always feel like they're being underappreciated, so they've got to prove it to, to everyone how good they are. And he's fantastic. And that's not even to mention the backup story, which Raphael Albuquerque is drawing equally well in a completely different style. Uh, mm-hmm. If you talk about a book from top to bottom that looks gorgeous, it's this book. I mean, you can't ask for a better-looking comic from yeah. these two guys. The I mean, Al- Albuquerque stuff is, is amazing. And I miss him on American Vampire. He's been off the last couple of issues. But, uh, you know, this is the trade-off. It's just been gorgeous. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, this is, I mean, again, as the non-Batman fan, this has been really engaging, really enthralling. I think the, um, this whole, the, my, my one thought, and this is less about this issue and more about just the whole general Court of Owls thing in general. I, I wonder if this would have had more impact or even more impact or even more kind of um, weight if they had drawn it out just a bit, like one more arc. Before it went, before it went to the whole bat wide, um, you know, kind of crossover, kind of major kind of thing. Like because the thing is, I feels like you know the first five issues we got introduced to the whole owls thing, and Snyder started playing with all the seeds that he planted with, and then we boom, we go into this and into this, you know, into this major reveal and major kind of happening type thing. I just wonder if there would have been one more arc in between. That would have drawn I, it out a little more and made and brought I think the, everybody complained. Brought, no, no, I'm not saying everybody complained. I'm just wondering. I'm no, just wondering. I, I think they would have. Like it would have, really? if it gone longer. People were like ten issues is a long time. Yeah. No, I just, I just. It's gonna be eleven. It's gonna be almost a full year. Yeah. You know, I was not taking away. It was just it was just what I was thinking about as I finished it. That's sure. all. You know what I mean? Because I feel mm-hmm. I feel like I, I, I and I I don't know I, I don't know if it's less about Snyder and the stories telling or the air at DC and just more about the he's got to tell the story quick before the wind changes. You know, <laughs> you know, like that. That's what I was thinking about as I as I finished reading it. As I was pondering, you know, I sat on the couch for two hours and really thought about this. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Just like so. spend a couple hours every day thinking about it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like really, like yeah. like the full time. really deeply thinking about Batman. Really, like yeah, yeah. What I what I think is the strength <laughs> of Snyder's run is that he he's really thinking thinking about not just who can match Batman physically, but who can really who can really defeat him mentally for uh-huh. hours at a time. He's thinking hours about at a time. I mean, he's just uh, sitting at his desk, really just thinking about it. It's, <laughs> hey, Dad, <it's> sh- <laughs> because a character like Batman, he he's the most confident character in comics, right? He's the most confident in himself and his abilities and his knowledge and his mastery of his domain. And the the one way to really take him down is, is a peg is to shake that confidence, right? Because he's he knows everything. He knows he and he lets you know that he knows everything. But if he if he fully yeah, and if, but if his whole world changes, then suddenly he's got to question everything, and that's one way to really you know make him vulnerable. We've talked about this before when he was kidnapped by the court and drugged and beaten. It's, it's really hard to make him Batman, a character who's built, built up to be such a capable person, so vulnerable. But one way to do it is to really just question, you know, shake his whole foundation. You know, I'll be, uh, I'll be real honest going back to that when he got you know, tortured by the owls or whatever. I miss the freaky one-eye Batman look, yes, by yes, the way. Like, was, and, and, like, and again, I was, think, I was really thinking about superheroes the other day. <laughs> and I was thinking about what Ruck is doing with the Punisher about how Punisher has this eye injury that, that is taking months to heal or whatever. And just like I like that idea and I think it would have been cool if we had that freaky, crazy Batman eye for like more than one issue. <laughs> There's a there's a shot of uh, the panel where he reveals who he is, Thomas. Like he has freaky, he has two freaky crazy eyes. Yeah, yeah. I and I was that. looking, I was like, you know what? Capullo is good at that. I, I, yeah, the Capullo for the Capullo crazy eyes are good. Yeah, he's he's excellent at that. <laughs> so the story, in case you haven't read it, is that uh, when Bruce was a child, his, Martha was pregnant with a uh, with a kid, and uh, there was a car accident, and she. Supposedly lost the kid. As far as Bruce knew, he only survived one day 
in this hospital. Um, but so Thomas is Tom, the person claimed to be Thomas is claiming that he actually survived in the hospital, was hidden away, and then when his when the parents were killed, everyone sort of forgot about him. Uh, and now he, and Bruce never even knew about him, so he's now he's back to to fuck fuck with his brother. So I that's feel like even even you know timelines affected or anything like that. People just don't forget about children. <laughs> I feel like it's, social uh, services it's, it's, or somebody would get it's involved. Quite a paperwork anomaly. <laughs> there could have been a fire. Yeah. yeah. Plus, he was probably put the, in there anonymously because the family like the Wayne True. Yeah. No, their kid. And they can, and they can uh, they can uh, affect the paperwork trail and all that stuff. The thing about an issue like this is that I, I get that the moment that's supposed to be shocking is the reveal, but you know, it's it's really we don't know anything yet. We don't know how true it is. We just know it's a story. And so for me, the interesting part actually usually comes in either justifying that that reveal or, or debunking it, you know, either way and watching what happens with it. So it's not so much exciting to, to be like, I am your brother, as much as it is going to be to see how that plays out in a longer term, I think. Absolutely. I think that's the, that's the point is that this, is, this will shake Batman. It's got to, yeah. right? So that will be the interesting fallout from the story. And we will find out what happens next issue, whether or not, you know, we get any more clarity on the identity of this guy or not. But – uh, either way, it, it was a it was a great issue. It's another great culmination, you know, from this from this series, which is so great. Which I think is the best superhero comic, especially with Daredevil shaking, being a bit shaky in the last couple of months. Um, yeah. I think this this is for me the best superhero comic on the market. It's definitely tops. Agree. Yeah. Now, I I for for a few minutes thought maybe I'd pick the shade number nine. Really, I love the story, and I love Fraser Irving is perfect for this story. Yeah, agreed Fra- on that. Fraser Irving's art. No one now. James Robinson's been getting a rotating cast of artists. They've all been fantastic. Every single one. Now, the, the, I was thinking about it as I was reading this issue, not for hours, but I was thinking about it. Um, <laughs> that, in on the one hand, it's been great to see all the different artists taking on the story. On the other hand, if you know, if you had one great solid artist in this whole, whole run, would it have changed? You know, the, the feel of it. Would it have felt more like a big deal than it has? I don't know. Do you think? I think a lot of times that's the case, but with this, I, I. Because I think we knew what it was going in, so it wasn't like they started off, you know, with a, with a really great artist and then flipped on us, and we didn't know what was going to happen. It, I knew, we knew that each arc was going to have a different fantastic artist, and, and the thing is, that's always been the way with with Starman. And and like, also and also the the uh, the different arcs are in different locales, and so yeah. I, the way I feel like it is is as we visit a different city, we get a different artist, and I like that. I've enjoyed. Oh, I don't it. think it's a negative necessarily. I just thought. For me, I love Fraser Irving, and I think for, for this style of story, he's perfect in sort of the mes- metaphysical, fantastical mo- demons and monsters. And if, if you know, I was thinking if he'd been the artist the whole time through, would I have had, loved it even more than I do already, which I, which is quite a bit. But that's beside, beside the point. I thought this issue was great, though. But you weren't thinking about it that long. An hour tops. Yeah, see, that's why you didn't get there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you'd just given it a, like, a couple more hours, Connor, or just really dedicated thought, I think it would Six to eight, yeah. minimum. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, it just this, this whole series uh, continues to impress. And, and I talked to James when it before it started, and, and he was sa- he was saying all the artists that are coming up, and that sort of thing, but it was like, and Fraser Irving. Like, wait till we get to the Fraser, Fraser Irving stuff, and it totally delivered. Yeah, I think yeah. it's great. He did Zombie last year, which was which was very under the radar book, which which was great. Uh, he did some Batman Incorporated stuff and or there, Batman and Robin stuff. He's he's great. There's some really in the middle here. There's a sequence uh, which doesn't have a lot of dialogue. I know it's a James Robinson book, <laughs> but uh, like the car drives up and you sort of see it go through town, and it's just. He's just storytelling, and he's sort of uh, playing with the pacing a little bit. Uh, it's Lord Caldecott going to the the sort of secret headquarters, and then there's this one panel of there's a, like a dark door that he's looking at, and the doors the double doors kind of open, and the panel is basically just black and orange. Yeah, and I and I was looking at that, I was like, ah, oh, that's that's just so good. It's just like this nice bit of comic book art, uh, you know, all the way, and then like the reveal is the next page, the shades in there, and he's he's kicked everyone's. He does the shade really well, right? Like, Using his power, using the not the darkness, but you know, shadow. It's 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 great. I mean, this book is great, and the art's been great. This has been uh, Robinson's been really lucky with his team of artists. Uh, Planetoid number one, the latest new image book, which has a bit of an interesting history. Ron, do you want to tell people the history of the planet? Yeah, sure. I mean, and, and it's funny because talking about it now, I kind of feel like I'm kind of tired of this issue. But um, <laughs> but so uh, Planetoid is a is a science fiction book that's uh, both written and drawn uh, written and drawn by Ken Garing 
and uh, Ken actually is a is a great example of the potential of uh, all you up and coming creators. Take note, um, do your stuff and put it out there digitally. Uh, Ken published this first issue of uh, Planetoid by himself on Graphically, and uh, we kind of noticed it. Um, and we're like, wow, this is really good. And, and Paul wrote about it on the site, and and um, and in and, and by doing that, that got the eye of Eric Stevenson, the publisher of Image Comics, who also agreed, wow, this is great. And then asked us, hey, can you put me in touch with this guy? And here we are, um, six months, whatever, how many months later, and Planetoid number one in print, uh, from di- from digital, leaping from the screen to your hands. Um, and it's a great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loving, I really feel like aside from 2012 being like, you know, the kind of, you know, 2012 has been positioned so far up to this point as kind of images year, um, in ter- you know, with, you know, after coming off of the stuff that would DC and images 20th anniversary and all the new issues and things like that. But I feel like the, the sub story of 2012 has been the resurgence of science fiction. Yeah. I mean, like there is just, I, I mean, I'm a, and, and I'm a big science fiction fan and I, that's one of the things I've been compl- not complaining. I mean, I've been thinking about complaining about it. I've really right. been, th- I've been, I've been thinking about how little science fiction there has been in comics recently and thinking about how that was probably it- when you wouldn't answer the phone last week, right? Oh yeah. No, no. Cause I was, th- I was thinking about science fiction. Right. Right. And yeah. you probably, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And what's been great is to see, you know, so many science fiction p- titles pop up this year, um, you know, from saga to now to planetoid. And it's it's you know, and they're they're all different kind of flavors, and it's great. And and I think Ken is a is a real unique voice. I know when we talked about it uh, when it came out digitally, it bore a somewhat similar resemblance to Profit. But if you really sit down and read it, it doesn't. And that's just totally surface level. And Ken's doing something totally different than than what uh, Brandon Graham's doing with Profit. Yeah, it's um, a man. It's a man alone in, a, in an alien world, which is about where the similarities end. I yeah, mean, it, exactly. this is a very different story. Uh, the tone is completely different. Yep. it's not nearly as weird as Prophet. Prophet's weird in a great way, but this is this is much more hard sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, it's you know, it's a man. He's, he's in a ship. Ship gets pulled into the gravity well of this planet. He crashes. It's it's a, there's a lot of mechanized and it's yeah, it's, things. It's, he's got a, it's basically an over uh, uh, a strip mined planet. That has been, you know, been been taken for all of its resources and kind of left for dead. And there are people on it who are um, who are trying to make their way in the world, and they're trying to. But there's also a the, there's a there's a sky netish threat. Yes, yeah. All the machines have uh, that move to the next level. Yeah. So that's that's the the sort of inherent danger. It's a five issue mini, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in case anyone was curious, but it's uh, it's definitely worth it. It's and gorgeous. It, it looks it great. Is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, looks great. And it was funny because I, I talked to Ken. Actually, lives here in San Francisco as well. And so we went out and gra- grab a dr- gra- grab the drink a couple weeks ago, and um, we were kind of talking about and, and about it. And he was he was a little concerned because he had he did the book and he released it you know in in digitally, but wasn't quite sure how it would look printed because he never printed the book. And there's some dark pages and things like that, but it came out great. I think the tone and the mood was good. Um, bounces off the page. Really, just really good, really good first, you know, kind of thing. And I and Mark, you know, Mark it now. I, I you know, I bet you we're going to hear about more from Ken Garing. I think he, I think this is going to open up a lot of doors for him, and which is great because he's a great, great creator with a great sense of, um, uh, like the thing is, is that it's that 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 single minded writer artist kind of thing, or this is his vision from beginning mm-hmm. to end. He's the only, I mean, aside from the logo, he's the only credit in the book. Like he just did, he does, he's doing everything. So um, yeah, it's really great to see. We so also it's get never going to gonna fu- be a letterer's fault. Yeah. And we get to see the future of Siri as well. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, it does something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, guys, I've been uh, I've finished before Watchmen Silk Spectre number one. I did three three and a half hours of thinking. Okay. <laughs> about it, and uh, I've come up with a couple of things that I'd like to share. Okay. Uh, well, we all know, or or maybe not, that Darwin uh, said on the interview that Ron did with him that he he believes that that the Silk Spectre issue is stronger than the Minutemen issue, uh, partially because of the work of Amanda Connor on art, but also her contribution to helping that old man tell a story about a teenage girl. <laughs> uh, and he was not wrong. Yep. And this is not to take away from Minutemen and whatever it was, nothing to do with that. This was this was definitely a much stronger issue, and as I'm reading through the whole thing, I really like like I don't for whatever reason I haven't read a ton of Amanda Connor. I'm I, for whatever reason she's really very good. She's I mean, amazing. I, I like she's she's really wonderful, and it's this really nice middle ground between sort of uh, 
pure cartooning and and then traditional comic book art. It, it exists somewhere in the middle there. And then w- one of the other things that I noticed about it, and I was I was I was struggling to put my finger on what about Minutemen didn't feel right uh, last time. And I think it was that um, Watchmen itself, uh, the actual original text, is very sterile. It doesn't have much. Um, personality to it and i think is designed that way even dave gibbons as an artistic choice he doesn't really scream out of a bunch of personal style it's it's very straightforward so the the story and the characters are the thing that you notice not necessarily the personalities of the creators now the thing about reading a darwin cookbook especially when it looks like <laughs> darwin cookbook when i make ribs um <laughs> uh and and then amanda connor when you mix it into it like their art both of them their art is chock full of their own personalities Yep. And I think that that's a, a very big departure from the other book. From the like, even in this one, you had. Uh, by the way, the, the nine panel grids are really fun to watch. Her stick to that structure. I actually really like that a lot. But well, then you had those little the accent, it, it, the, ac- the accent cartoons. This is what I was getting at. This yeah. sort of internal monologue cartoons that had a little sort of chibi manga. I don't know if I'm using those words correctly. Uh, feel of what's going on in her head worked really, really well. Yeah. But I mean, just as far away from the original Watchmen as possible. Uh, take well, that or leave it. It's funny because you take away the costume, and it's basically a story of a mother and her, da- her daughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and doesn't need to, you know, it, as a as a Watchmen story, it doesn't need to be a Watchmen story. It's really, really just a really, f- you know, affecting story about a teenager trying to relate to her mother and vice versa. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that from that point of view it was great. I had less agita this week than last because I felt like this was more removed. Mm-hmm. Whereas the last, the what Minutemen is very much in the world of Watchmen. Whereas this, this could have been anybody, really. It could, it just could have just been a story about, you know, growing up. So in that sense, I still have that weird, you know, feeling about the books. But otherwise, you know, story wise, it was great. Yeah, Our, I mean, but it was a too, really strong craft, strongly crafted comic book. You know, is is good. She's. She's really quite wonderful. I've been banging um, that drum for years. Well, no, I know, I know, and I never. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know, I know what you're going to say there, Connor. I got a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think th- this is going to this is going to stand out to be, I think, the the sleeper hit of these batch. You know, what I mean, I think I, I really think that this is going to end up being the one. I, I I do agree with what Darwin said. And I agree, Josh, with what you said is that this is going to be the one where people will be like, "Wow, did you see what they did with that book?" You know, because that was the one. Honestly, this is the one I was least interested in. I thought Silk Spectre was yeah. was the was the the least you know engaging character. And after talking to Darwin, he made the point is like, yeah, because there really was no meat to her. There was just it was just that she was the daughter, the legacy daughter, and she was there for the two men. And like, and Watchmen actually did nothing to serve her character, and so this is actually given way more kind of context and way more um, uh, meat to her character already with just one issue. Um, and Amanda Connor just is, is yeah, it's 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 it, all and the I, hype know, is true. So you're you're talking about a character like realistically, you know, it's a it's a book about a female character on 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 the books. This this would do the least sales out of anything. I think it probably yeah, is least ordered. Yeah, probably, and yeah. that's 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 ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Uh, with the with the talent behind it, you know. So, uh, if, but if you if you're gonna read any of them so far, there's only two. But looking at what's, <laughs> looking at what's coming up, if you're gonna read any of them, uh, you, you should check this one out. What's funny is I don't think I'm gonna go f- for all of them all the way through. And I think, you know, as it gets, I think for this one, probably I will pick up all the issues. But mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I'll I'll sample all the first issues, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna read them all through all the way to the end. Well, neither is Straczynski, so it's fine. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. I assume he's got to finish these. He's probably finished them by now. But wouldn't it be funny? Oh, I wouldn't. Uh, I, 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 I would, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Before you get it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any uh, bets that these are done. <laughs> you know, I mean, I would not. I mean, I, I think that they're, they're, you know, they. I mean, I think it's interesting that they're not on a monthly schedule. Nobody's, nobody, everyone's kind of glossed over that fact. But the books are pretty much on a six-week schedule, and I think it's for a reason. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how the rest. They should of these have Adam Hughes draw the Straczynski book. That would have been. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Yeah, the, the perfect yeah. storm of. It could have uh, just never came out. Number yeah, one, he's he never. Is. Yeah, exactly. He's the he's the that's the Manhattan Doctor Manhattan. We oh, would Straczynski. Is it? Yes. Perfect. So we won't know who to blame. There you go. That's yeah. perfect. They can spread. It's like plausible deniability. It could be either one of them. He's <laughs> writing another one. I mean, I don't know which one because I'm not gonna buy it, but. Um, He's writing two, and then Adam Hughes is drawing one of them. I think. Perfect. Yeah, no, and yeah. No, uh, yeah, Andy Kubert's doing Night Owl, and then that's um, the other book. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Anyway, sorry, Conan. Sad sack. <laughs> um, Brian Wood had a hell of a week, uh, is what I wanted to bring up. Uh, Conan the Barbarian number five uh, with uh, James Heron on art. James Heron, 
very Guy Davis feeling. And I just read through this thing, and I had pretty much the same feeling that I had about Amanda Connor. I was like, this this is an artist. This is a great week for art, uh, just across the board. Um, but uh, it was just a wonderful uh, issue. It was basically a fight. Um, they were they're gonna hang Conan because he's Conan. <laughs> And somebody tricks them into having like, no, no, let them do single combat. And so he goes to a big fight. So this is a huge fight sequence, just sort of a sword wrestling moment. And it is just wonderful storytelling, like a really great. This is what comics do. Uh, really wonderful. And uh, also this is uh, he's off the, the he's off the text, the original sort of uh, Robert E. Howard Conan text. But uh, he's, he's holding up really well, like the, the um, narration boxes are really fun. You know what's uh, funny is you tweeted James Heron on Conan and I thought yeah. you were talking about a guest on the Conan O'Brien show <laughs> and I thought I was completely out of touch with whoever this James Heron person was was he a magician I never heard of and I just kept going with my Magician, day. you went with magician. magician. I love magician. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm big into that. Um, really great. I mean, as, even as a single issue you could read it if you like the comic book. This, this Conan book's been great. Yeah. Um, really fun. Uh, before, but before, you get to, before you get to the next book, you mentioned how it was a big yeah. week for Brian Wood. Not only was it Conan in the book we're about to talk about, the massive number one, but he also had his, his first issue. Um, uh, well, no, I believe his first issue of Ultimate X Men came out. Yes, and I believe an issue of X, uh, just X, adjectiveless X Men. So he had four books come out this week. I, I was thinking about this when I was at the store. I was I sat down in a chair and I sat hung out for about two hours thinking about it. I don't like it when that happens. Like for some it reason, always happens. But it, it happens all, to everybody. It always Everybody's. happens. But and I, and I get the sense on Twitter and stuff like that that the creators like it too. They like to have all their because Brian Wood used to do this all the time, where like Northlanders and and DMZ would come out on the same day and all this. They like to have like the day of that. I think it's better to stretch out so I'm getting at least one book of your stuff a week. You know, I don't, I don't feel you know. like they control it. I think they do. I, I've I heard, think they I do because like uh, Scott. Snyder used to had that happen once where he had like two or three books out at one time, and he's like, I, I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Well, that's so, what they say publicly and what actually happens. We know. He's a huge liar. We know that. <laughs> no, we know that what is said publicly is often what is not the case behind the No, I know. Jeff, Jeff Lemire's told us yeah, the truth. So. But, um, yeah, no, I just, I just find I it, f- four books in one week I think is good. You know, it's dominating, and it's great, but I think you're better served by stretching them out. I mean, that's what, that's what the result of my thinking was. Yeah. But that's but you only put two hours into it. Well, yeah, but I was at the store. I didn't want to. How long know. were you thinking about it? Really? About, really? I mean, I mean, maybe I underestimated it with two hours. I think it was it was it was at least a few hours. It was at least okay. like three. So, but um, but yeah, but so the other book that came out was the massive number one, which has been um hyped a lot. You know, it had you know they they did a bunch of stuff in Dark Horse Presents around this kind of prequel kind of stuff, and they've been doing some stuff digitally with it. But this is the first proper issue, um, and right out of the gate. Um, it, it for me it had two things going for it. One, uh, Christian Donaldson I think is great, um, art wise, and uh, the uh, word Kamchatka, which if you're a Risk player you know you can't go wrong with Kamchatka. So, uh, I could, I don't know if I can beat that review. Why don't you tell people <laughs> what the story is so people don't. This is it, a no. story about uh, there has been a a, a a worldwide cataclysm of of earthquakes and tidal waves and everything is all messed up. This is the aftermath of if if there's really a lot of natural disasters at one time and it, it, it totally just if everything happened that could happened. Yeah, and it just screws over the world economy and the places that are close to being underwater are underwater and and sort of all hell breaks loose everywhere. And these are the people who are on board a ship. Um, I don't remember the name of the actual ship, but their sister ship is the Massive. That's what the other ship is. And they're like uh, they're like well-meaning eco folk. And you know, they would float around and and help people or stop whales from getting killed. That's the Botany that's, Bay. No. Yeah. Um, SS Minnow. <laughs> and so, like, there's now everything is more dangerous. So that's these people on this boat, and they're they're trying to do the right thing, and and well, it is pretty heady. Like, it's it's hard to explain it. Well, my, uh, the plot is that they can't find this other boat, but then the argument going on is: Listen, do we go around trying to help people right now, or do we go wait until sort of this blows over, and then we see how we can best help instead of getting killed in the midst of everything? Right. Um, and there's like there's like a woman who's the 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 I don't know if she's the girlfriend of the guy who's the captain of the boat and she goes out and, and kicks some ass of people trying to like take over their boat. So there's like a big fight scene in the middle, and uh, I I like the world that they're in a lot. And it, it's it's not like it sounds like it could be laden with like uh, 
super environmental messages, but that's not really the point. It also does not feel that far off from reality. It's like uh, close to the close to the the belt uh, science fiction. Like, yeah, near, like this near, doesn't feel that far off. Near present science fiction. Yeah. Um, um, well, it, well, it's and it's interesting. So, so the other boat is called the Capital with a K. Um, and, and, Commies. and part of, part of the whole mystery and the reason why it's called mass, like the massive is they had a sister boat called the massive, which has gone, dis- which has disappeared and we don't know what happened to it. And that's kind of the black cloud that's hanging over is that they're constantly looking for the massive. Um, and so any lead they get to find the massive, that's kind of what they're chasing and that's their purpose now. Um, what I thought was, was the, I thought it looked great. I love the concept. I love the premise. I just thought that this book was really heavy with setup because there's a lot of heavy concepts going on, and nothing really happened in this issue other than just this action sequence of this undetermined threat coming towards their boat, and like and everything else was all set up and flashbacks and all that sort of stuff. So it was that, a lot of time jumping, a lot of time jumping, and they did it well with the coloring. I mean, I, I never, yep. I was never confused as to what was what was what and what was where. But like, if you look at the 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 percentage of flashback exposition setup versus what's happening now nothing really happened so i'm 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 definitely in for the next issue and there's some back matter that was really interesting in, in terms of looking at and really kind of well thought out um so like i think the next issue you know um which isn't called kamchaka it's called hk which i assume must be um hong kong um but uh, you know, I'll be curious to see where it goes but you know cuz it definitely set the pieces on the board but it was a lot to take in in one issue Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's a big deal. You know, it's 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 funny because it's not really that far off from DMZ. No, not it's just yeah, not on a all. larger scale yeah. and on the water. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought it was I thought it was a really good start to it. I was thinking about this, and I didn't used to be a Brian Wood fan. Yeah. I I used to not really like his work that much, but the last couple of years, I mean, I've I've really liked a, a great deal of what he's done. So, yeah, you, you come, cool. come around, come around on it. Yeah. So cool. awesome. Uh, hey, creators and publishers, you're out there. I know you're listening because there are a lot of you. Uh, if you're looking for a way to get back, get your book in front of as many eyes as possible, as easily as possible, uh, Graphically has the best solution for that. You can upload your book, uh, comics. They were definitely doing comics, uh, but children's books, sketchbooks, photography books, just anything that's graphic-based. If you're doing a cookbook, it'll work for this. Uh, in just a few simple steps, you can be on your way to getting it into all the, the major e-book stores, the Amazon's Kindle store, Barnes & Noble's Nook store, Kobo, and uh, the Apple iBook store, which is sort of a big one. I don't know if you've heard of this iPad. Uh, There's no need to have readers find a specific app just made for reading comics. Uh, You just send them to the digital bookstore where people go looking for any book. Uh, With 29% of all adults now owning tablets and e-reader devices and sales in 2011 increasing over 300% from the year before to over... Hitching my throat. <laughs> I just I get so choked up. Uh, the sales are over three million ebooks sold. Um, you have a, a ton of potential customers out there, and and you'll be able to market it very easily. Uh, you can find a full list of pricing and services available on our website. Go to graphically.com for more details. Uh, you definitely owe it yourself to check it out if, you, if you're looking at self-publishing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, in, like we said, you, you you know you you mentioned that it's great for visual-oriented book com- uh, cookbooks, picture books, but also very much comic books. Look at Ken Garing and Planetoid. He got mm-hmm. discovered because the book was up on Graphically, and and you, if you're an aspiring comic creator, you could definitely you know we can't promise the same thing will happen, but you got to be in it to win it. So you got to be good too. He yeah, you got to be good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spider- and also, but we can we can look into the Darwin cookbook. <laughs> we could look into that. Spider Man number one. Spider Man. Spider Man <laughs> is uh, the book that they said would only happen with Marvel run out of ideas, which they're regretting. They're regretting making that joke now, aren't they? Yeah, I'm sure. Um, because that's all everyone talks about. Spider Man number one brings the Spider Man of Marvel universe and the Ultimate universe together for the first time, and it seemed was it. Well, it, pro- I, it, promises, it, was it? it promises to do that. <laughs> it hasn't right. done it yet. <laughs> well, did it in one panel. Uh, yeah, on the last page. Yeah. Is it was this, is this like a young Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe? He felt very early career, sort of. Not I'm not I'm saying not kid Spider-Man, but he felt like not current Spider-Man to me. He's supposed to be current Spider-Man. Is he? Yeah. Didn't feel like it to me. It felt it felt very strange. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought I thought um, I thought Josh actually wrote a review of this that went up uh, earlier uh, last week earlier, um, and I thought Josh nailed it on the head, which was that you know it looks great if you're going to buy it. It's for Sarah Pacelli. I just thought that like nothing happened. I mean, like same thing it, you said in the massive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, essentially. It was just, Although the, the difference being though that the massive at least was a new thing, and this yeah. is exactly well, what you would expect it to be. But the thing was, the massive was very heavy and had a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. all, all this was was this just got Spider-Man into into the Ultimate Universe? 
Yeah. yeah. I, but but really half of it was like I love I love New York. Fight. Yeah. This it, town's great. Fight. Yep. Hey, this town's different. New kid. Yeah. That's the whole issue. Uh, and if you, I don't know. It just. I'm, I mean, if you like Spider Man, then then you're yes. probably loving it. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, and, and I'm I'm sure it's going to get good. I'm sure Bendis has got a good story to tell over five issues, but in, for this first issue, it was a little lighter. Like I would have liked to have seen the the the, the ultimate merge happen earlier and then and then see what the threat is and all that sort of stuff. I'd say what I have no doubt that when he puts those two characters together they will be fun to listen to. Yep. Or yeah. agreed. Talk. Yeah, I wonder right. if it'll have any ramifications in the current ultimate book or if it's just sort of completely in its own bubble kind of thing. I think it's in its own bubble kind of thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it well who knows? Who knows? But I feel I get the feeling from both sides of it that it's in its own bubble thing. Okay. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. It's like uh, the you, Marvel vs. DC crossovers that never, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Uncanny X Force number twenty six. Steve Holt. <laughs> the Steve Holt joke. Fat Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> Phantom X hosting an orgy. I mean, and Phil Noto on art. This just it it it's just it's always fun to read. I, it feels like no one's paying attention to what Rick Remender's doing at Marvel. Yeah, I know. And it's just, right, I mean, he gets away with a lot of way. stuff. Yeah, no, in the best way, of course, the best way. It's just yeah. it just feels like no one's reading his scripts when they come in. Yep. And you know, Fat Wolverine. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Oh, it's so funny. And the Steve Holt joke made me laugh out loud. Deadpool. I like the idea that this team is more, and it's a cliche, but more of a family in that they, you have members quit, but they can't really quit. Yeah. Like, no matter what they do, they can't get away from the troubles that plague the, the group. Yep. And in that sense, they are more like a family because you can't quit your family. You still get, you know, so, you know, we had we had Psylocke, we had Fanamax quit last issue, and you may thought maybe that's the last you see them, you get new members, but no, it's just it's just... It's, they're still there. It's just you know, it's very interesting in that sense. I like it. Yep. And the sha- Anytime we see the Shadow King, that's good. The, that's the dude with the little fez, the fat dude. So, <laughs> um, and and looking like doing some other you know the some Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is targeted X Force, and it's like and as an X Men fan, it's like oh, oh this is this is good. Like whenever and I love the the Wolverine picking up on it and and having to you know get the word to Phantom X and the Betsy that they're being targeted, but it's too late. Yeah. And Phantom X fighting in his boxers and his mask. Very funny. So. Oh, it's, it's a great book. Yeah, still. it's a great book. So good. This, this is rebounded a bit. It was a yeah. little dicey last time. but Yeah. yeah. No, no. Phil, no, no. Good stuff. Uh, speaking of another, another art, I'm going to talk more about art. Uh, American Vampire, Lord of Nightmares, number one, which is another miniseries uh, from the American Vampire line of fine books. Um, this is sort of a sequel i guess or the next thing after the survival of the fittest uh miniseries it's totally a sequel that's how they've that's how they've solicited it um and uh this was drawn by dustin gwynn who i haven't seen in a little while since he was living in in the gotham town um and it's funny because if you look on dustin gwynn's uh deviant art page you look at his stuff he does all these sort of cute baby things and that's what i've been seeing of him for the last you know, year or, or whatever. I know he's a very good artist, always has been, and I really liked him on the Bat books. Um, but <laughs> I was totally taken aback when he drew some truly gruesome things in this issue. Mm. I just wasn't expecting it. And, and he went full on, like, you know, dudes get eaten and stuff. Um, but it was, a, it was a great start, and I thought the art fit into the rest of the, um, into the, rest of the world that they had, had come up with. And I really like this branch of the American vampire story. It's actually, I find, I find these characters more interesting. Um, than what's going on in the main book right now, and they're going on against Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing that I could, you know, that, that was a, that was awesome. I thought, yeah, cool. I love Dracula. So, um, Avengers vs X Men versus number three. Um, two things to note on this: uh, two victories for the X Men in this issue. So finally, a little balance. They're rallying. In the um, they're rallying. Avengers. But uh, what's really interesting is for the first time ever, I actually saw a good use of that Marvel AR app in a book. Um, where they had Black Widow versus Magic, and they're both Russian, if you re- if you remember. And basically, if you hovered over the page with your phone and this Marvel AR app, they translated the the Russian word balloons into English, which was actually a lot a lot more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> so, so I feel bad for someone who doesn't have the app and isn't using it because there's a whole lot of Russian. But what you, <laughs> but in terms of an argument for like how to make that augmented reality thing kind of fun, that was a good way. I, I just wish they had uh, translated some of magic spellcasting stuff. That would have been cool. But um, but yeah, I thought it was neat. So um, and then Avengers Assemble number four, Guardians of the Galaxy are back. Bendis is writing them. Told you. <laughs> it ends with the Guardians of the Galaxy arriving on the scene to help the Avengers fight Thanos. So, 
What wow, could, what, it's what almost you, like they're mapping out their movie strategy on the page. Almost well, no, it's um, it Who's is it's Rocky, it's Rocket Raccoon, Drax, uh, Bug, um, the lady, the green, the green skin lady. I forget her name, and some blonde dude with a gun, which I don't know if it's Warlock. It's not Star Lord. Um, I don't know who the blonde, who's, who appears to be the leader is. I don't know who Star Lord's dead. Well, Star Lord's with Nova in the they die they quote unquote died in the Cancerverse. I'm, my guess is we'll see them back at some point. Um, I want if I, when he comes back, I just want him to be Star Lord. I don't want him to be. You know Nova what? Lord. I bet you this dude in Guardians of the Galaxy is a tie is. Um, it's not Starhawk, but the dude with the with the with the outfit in the old Guardians of the Galaxy because his costume looks somewhat reminiscent of that. I'm sure we'll find out who he is. So, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a Bendis written Guardians of the Galaxy book this fall. There you go. That's my prediction. Those were the books we wanted to talk about this week. But you go to fanboy.com/comics. You can make your own pull list. You can rate and review your books, and you can make your own pick of the week. And we like to read the top five picks of the week from the community, uh, as as chosen by you. And this is at the time of recording. Number five was Uncanny X Force. Number twenty six with a whopping one point one percent. That's number five. Number four is Before Watchmen. Silk Spectre, number one, 1.8%. Number three is Planetoid, number one, with 3.0%. Number two is The Massive, number one, with 4.2%. That's three wow. ones in a row. And number one, Batman, number 10, with 85.1%. Cool. That's a big showing. That's a huge Not show. Not biggest. Not the biggest, but Not, pretty good. Yeah, but dominant. 85% is dominant. <laughs> when the number, when the number five book is in the 1% range, you know. Yeah. Yeah, this is a dominant player. So on to the user reviews, and I got to admit, I, I take a little perverse joy out of tracking uh, user Grifter78 and his reviews of Grifter um, from DC Comics. <laughs> and so Grifter78 reviewed Grifter number 10, and he gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5, and nobody made it their pick of the week. And before I read the excerpt from his review, he did make a note to not spoil it, but I'm going to spoil it later on because it's just too good not to. <laughs> but, okay. um, so Grifter78 says, after last month, I was kind of dreading where this issue would take us. The first half of the comic was more of a mixed bag than the last issue. We still get some cheesy dialogue, but it's sprinkled with some great action scenes. I have to say it was so cool seeing Death, Deathblown Grifter fighting side by side again. But as much as I liked the action, as I neared the end of the comic, I feared that we I feared that we might be feared that might be all we get, and thus would end another issue of Grifter without much direction. Thankfully, I was wrong. And he says Scott Clark's art seemed to be returning to his normal, awesome style. There's some weird choices in some of the shots with the line work, but overall it looked better. Even the Damonite Elite class looked better than that last issue. And I love the way. Draws Cheshire. As long as Clark is drawing beautiful women, I'm still on board. And the thing he didn't spoil, which I'm going to spoil, is that fucking Rob Liefeld and Frank Thierry gave Grifter powers. Superpowers. Yep. They look to be oh. somewhat telekinetic based or whatever, but all of a sudden he he uses his powers to make four guns shoot at one time, and then he picks up all the Daemonites and shoots them up into the air and crashes them back down, and he's got this kind of red glow around him, and I laughed and closed the book and said, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Grifter doesn't have powers. That's what's making him a good character. Yeah, wow. that's like when they gave Green Arrow a, a power way, way back in the '90s, and they decided everyone did have powers. Yep, I'm all for you. You got you guys know I'm a Liefeld fan, and I'm I'll give him a lot of leeway, and I think people give him a much harder time than he deserves, and all this stuff. And but like, fuck this, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> well then, there you go. I don't. I, I agree with you. I think that's yeah. That's the right. I mean, I was out already, but that would have done it. Yep. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Fair enough. Next up, uh, Dave, I don't think I can beat that. David Clark uh, of Batman and Robin number ten gave the story a three out of five in the art, a five out of five. The pick percentage was seven tenths of one percent, and the entire review goes like this. Gleason's art is great. Maybe the reason I bought this issue. The story has some potential. Damien throws down the gauntlet to the other Robins. I will defeat you at something you think undefeatable etc the first battle with tim drake didn't do much for me mainly because you had to have you had to have read the teen titans annual number one to really get the conflict that i didn't care for as for the main ostensible villain terminus just isn't doing much for me i do like the potential of the villains united versus team villains united team versus batman and robin but somehow my expectations are low I don't. I, I didn't agree that you needed to read Teen Titans because I don't read Teen Titans. I didn't. I, I, I got their their angst with each other through the pages, which I thought that was fine. I, I agree that Gleason's art's the main draw here. Terminus is kind of a blah villain, but the best part of the story was, of course, the interaction between the family. This was all the Robins got got together, but the main, the best scene was with, was the family sitting for a portrait with a painter, and it was it did not go well. 
It was <laughs> it was Bruce in chair surrounded by all the kids and Alfred and then just then a guy trying to who beat set him. that up? <laughs> I don't know. But there are a who lot, made the call on that one? There are a lot of Robins, aren't there? There was there was three at the painting and that, that didn't even include Jason Todd who did not get invited. Nice. He he not for long. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. All right. It's too many Robins. You gotta so, clear out the clear out the decks. Cannon fodder. Yep. So those are the reviews. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics to do your uh, pull list and your ratings and write reviews and fun stuff that we'll highlight on the show when you do good. Book of the month time. And there really was only one choice for book of the month for the, week, the month of June. How long did you think about it? I, well, you know, I, I, gave mean, it a, I gave it a full day. So I feel like it was like 18 <laughs> hours of fun. The book of the month isn't just one sit and think. That's several sit and thinks, right? I, I meant cumulative thinking. Right, Cumulatively, yeah. then it's probably like a 30, 40 hours yeah, of yeah. thinking, of deep <laughs> thinking. It's actually work. Book of the month thinking is deeper. It's deeper. It's a deeper well, thing. No, it's not that distracted, like flipping around with something in your hand. It's just dark room. Yeah, I mean, you got you're kind of chewing on a pen as you're looking out, up and out in, in the world. And you're thinking, Basically, if, if this had been a film, you would have been me on the on the chair outside of my balcony. It would have been a slow zoom in on my eyes. I would have start, blinked in a startled fashion, and you would have pulled out to see it was night nighttime. Someday. Yes, yeah, exactly. I can see it. I see it. All right, somehow, so. eighteen hours went away. Uh, but when I came out of that that deep think, I decided that the comic book history of comics was by far the only choice for Book of the Month for June. And uh, if you don't know, the comic book history of comics is the collection of comic book comics, the self-published miniseries from Fred Valente and Ryan Dunleavy, and they changed the title to make it more uh, explanatory. It actually Which, makes yeah, The only criticism you can have of this book has been the title. So. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they basically spell out what the book is in the title now. And this, this collection is published by IDW, whereas the miniseries was self-published. Uh, and actually, number six, the final issue was Josh's pick of the week. So you may have, if you're a longtime listener, you'll 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 know this book. Um, but uh, you guys have read this whole series, or just parts of it, I or what? In, I read in issues. Yep. Yeah, Josh? I actually haven't read the whole thing. I, I I didn't pick up on it until later, so I wanted to. Get well, it, the, it did come out very sporadically. Six issues yeah. came out over the course of a couple of years. So you know, of so course, my, my plan is to get the the trade, which I haven't done yet. But I read the last trade. couple of them. Um, Basically, it is what it is. It's a comic book history of comics. And if you're any kind of fan of comics who is, cares at all beyond just reading the stories, and some fans just want to read the stories, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, nothing, there's no reason why you need to be more involved than, than just that because that's basically what comics are, entertainment. But if you at all think about the industry <laughs> – I didn't really mean to make that joke. <laughs> if you at all ponder the industry or the goings-on or what happens or behind the scenes or creators or uh, companies, and then you really owe it to yourself to kind of know what you're talking about. And uh, to know the history of the medium, and this is not a comprehensive history because you couldn't a comprehensive history of an industry that's been going on since the, since the early part of the decade last last century, and has been so twisty and turning, full of so many different people and characters and companies would would be a giant tome of a book. So this is basically the highlights that Fred Valenti and Randon Levy thought are the most important <laughs> things done done basically a chronological order. I'd like to see Alan Moore's version of that book, done <laughs> yeah. like from hell. Um, that would be fantastic. And it basically takes you from the – it starts off in the 1500 and engravings and, and early early comics that had word balloons in newspapers to all the way up through the current day and digital comics and the direct market, uh, you know, sort of trouble and all that stuff and piracy and things like that. So it really is comprehensive. And it's – I think the biggest thing you can say about this book is that it's done in a style that doesn't make the information dry. It's very entertaining. It's very funny. It's also very trenchant, very sort of biting, and, and there's a lot of sarcasm and commentary within the, within the work without being pointed. Um, yeah, this is some of this is some of Fred's best work. I think. Yes. If you Look at his whole if you, like action philosophers was the same kind of style, but about philosophy and where they applied that same uh, heavy subject with a fun way of telling it to the history of comics and with Ryan Dunleavy's art, which is just like you can't help but smile when you see angry Jack Kirby and Mister Met and and <laughs> Stanley and and uh, you know the the all the the hippies and the, or not the hippies but the underground comics people the sixties and seventies with the sky uh, the sky pirates yeah so I mean it's fascinating fascinating stuff this goes, is this is totally going to be a christmas present yeah it goes through the pre-war time through 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 world war ii with captain america and jack kirby and joe simon to marvel in the 60s to you know actually the the, the company in this probably the least is dc strangely they're sort of in the background of a lot of the, of the stories um they pop up a little in the middle with with creators rights but it goes all the way through to through image the image revolution uh the direct the rise of the direct market uh as i said digital comics and piracy things like that 
But if you're the kind of person that doesn't know a lot about the history of this medium, if you don't know why people get so angry about Jack Kirby, if you don't, if you <laughs> if you get angry about Jack Kirby, but you're not getting angry about it, almost every other creator that's ever made a book, yeah, uh, <laughs> you should read this book. If you you know if you're <laughs> if you're reeling about Jack Kirby, but not Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, Bill Finger, Jerry Robinson, uh, uh, Joe Simon, basically everybody who created anything in the industry, then then you need to read this book and understand why there's a lot more people to get angry about than just Jack Kirby. Uh, if you if you want to know at all about why why the direct market is so screwed up and <laughs> how it got to this point and why it's so fr- what a, fragile, you what a wonderful segment that is. Yeah. Too, and the thing is, really. like, there's a segment in here on copyright law. There's a segment in here on creator rights contracts, but it's not dry and not boring and not done in a way that right. they it's, do it it's, with humor and they do it with 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 great cartooning and it makes you all very interested in the subject. It's a it's a heck of a lot of craft being employed to do something that looks simple. I mean, you're distilling a, tr- a tremendous amount of information, sorting out which parts of it are relevant, which are not. And, you know, this isn't necessarily the the definitive guide to the history of comics, but it's well-researched. You know, it's, it's, every, it's about it's as close noted. as you're going to get in one, yes. one tome. Yeah. yeah, You know, there's lots of books about history of comics out there. You know, you can, you can read the, the book about Stan Lee. There's a book about that Marvel era. There's all kinds of books, but this is the only one that I know of that goes through, attempts to go through the entire history as much as it can. In comic book form, which yeah. is appropriate and fun, and lots of and thick, yeah. and uh, it's, it's, it's it's a very satisfying chunk of books to read. So definitely uh, worth getting. So go to ifanboy.com where you can read Connor's review, full review there, and you should order this book. And like I said, I think it's going to be a great Christmas present to give to it's, people. It's a must-have. I, yeah. I would go as far as to say it's a must. Yeah. Wow, it's a must-have. Yes. So excellent. All right. So yeah, go to ifanboy.com and click on the book of the month on the side, and you can read Connor's review. And on to the, your emails. Uh, one email this week from Steve from Orlando. And Steve says, I've been pondering your recent podcast discussion about why many new characters today don't stick around. It begs a question. How long, though? Uh, We'll never know. Steve says, some may say today's uh, new characters lack, quote-unquote, cool powers and abilities. In the old days, a character was popular because his or her super strength, flight, speed, power rings, wall crawling, magic, healing factors, etc. I'd I'd add master detective skills, too, too. So yes, Superman, Spider-Man, and the like will always be around. I'm sure there will be superpowers and abilities out there to be discovered and created. Few and far between, though. So what makes an enduring new character today? Very simple. It's who they are, not what they do. Batwoman, Dokken, Damien, Red Hulk, Winter Soldier, Val Richards, Skinner Sweet, Red Crow, Miles Morales, and Invincible. They don't have to have superpowers, and we don't care, because that's not why we read them, with the exception of Tony Chu. Human emotions, real-life, relatable personalities, the kind of character ingredients developed by Stan Lee in Marvel's first years are just as, great as stre- uh, just as great as strength and flight and speed. However, here's the question. Are these internal conflicts enough to sustain them? Batman's made it this far, so has Spider-Man, but what characters created today, including the ones above, will still be around, still compelling in 10 or 20 years? Personally, I'd love all of these characters to still be around, would love to still be reading about Red Crow too, but that's not going to happen. What do you think? And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that... I, I mean, Winter Soldier's not new. He's created in the forties. Yeah, it's true. I don't think the powers were just the were the things that made the characters. Maybe in the in the forties, but as Originally. we got as we got into the sixties and seventies, I mean, what made Spider Man compelling was that he had spider powers, but also he had to make rent. Yeah, you know, and like, and I think you you, you rattled off a bunch of uh, characters. You know, hey, I wouldn't include Dokken in that list by, by any <laughs> means. He's just a you know whatever. But um, but like a character like Invincible, you know, yes, he has superpowers, but what makes him interesting is the struggle between his his allegiance to to Earth and the Vulturemite blood, and you know what I mean, like that. That's and all the problems that come with that. That what's making you know. I think it's always going to come down to that character, and people just have to create new characters that are compelling and relatable. And the idea that you know the the some you can relate to them, you understand them regardless of the fact that they have some huge power. And if the if their power, if is if the gimmick of that power is really the only thing that goes to that character, that's why it doesn't succeed. Right. Well, I, and, and, and I think I, the, the, if you look at the list, though, a lot of these characters are just uh, derivative of versions of, the, of old characters. Batwoman's just a female Batman. Damien's another Robin. Red Hulk's just a different color Hulk. Yeah, Winter Soldier's... Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, and, 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 there's and, a reason why those original characters have endured is because they were first and they were the templates for every other character since. Invincible is just... Invincible is, is you know, it is power core, basically just, you know, Green Lantern or whoever you want to put it with mixed with Spider-Man, so... And, and he makes an exception for Tony Chu from the book Chu, but I, I don't think Tony's powers are why I read that book. No. At all, you know. I think I think that making that exception is wrong. I think I think the the situation and the and the position Tony Chu's been put in and and all this all the crazy shit that's happened in that has been why you read it, not just because he has a, a cool food based power, you know. So, 
That's with all care. Yeah, it's it's what what do people re- respond to is the question. I guess it's probably different for everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. But will they be around ten, 10 to twenty years? Well, most of them probably not. Yeah, I mean Val Richards is also not a new character. She's also decades old, and she's, and she's derivative. So uh, Skinner Sweet and Red Crow, Miles, and those two for sure won't be around because they're on you know creator-owned books that have a finite lifespan. Yep. Uh, you know, Invincible probably not in 10 or 20 years. How long will Kirkman do that book? We don't know, but I would, I'd be shocked if he did it for 20 more years. I could see it. I think Invincible is the book that he'll, he'll let other people do at some point. And, but, he has, but it will always be in print as long as Kirkman's publishing, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't know. I've, I've, the, 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 you're talking about temp, you know, the, the sort of the, the tentpole versions of characters versus other characters that are sort of based off of different versions of those originals. Yeah. You know, almost every superhero has some version of Superman and Batman. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason for that because they were first. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the, the, the industry definitely has a hard time with creating new things. Absolutely. Uh, new, we, you as all readers, you do not like new things. You do not embrace new things until time has passed and then we tell you, hey, you should have liked that. You know, I mean, that's essentially what happened. I mean, no, not, not by we. I don't mean us. I mean, like, the collective. You know, it's like, oh, shit, that was good. Why don't we, you know, like, that was, you know. But when new stuff comes out, it is very rarely embraced. So it's sad. Cool. Now wait, hold on. Now when you, I just you're gonna get backlash on this because I've gotten it. It doesn't sell its own book. It won't. Sometimes sure. Know, it doesn't mean that there aren't people who like some of that new stuff, and that there isn't new stuff that's good and that hasn't right. been liked. But yeah. overall, new creations are not embraced by the superhero mainstream comic book reading community because right. they're still going with the old stuff. Right. Yes. Okay. Good. 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 Caveat. That's generally true. Yes. Yeah. And we, don't, and we don't mean you, whoever you are listening to this, that you bought the book and you were mad it got canceled. I know you're smart. You're you're in the know. We're talking about the people who don't listen to this podcast, the people who don't go to iFanboy, people who aren't in the know, the people who aren't, you know, like we're talking about the, the people who just walk into a random comic book store and buy Superman and Batman week in a week out. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's who we're talking about. So We, we have all liked things yes. that have gone away that were new. Yes. <sighs> Anyway. Dead enders. So anyway, if you, if you've got any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Funnily enough, Dead Enders, the the new trade, the complete yeah. trade was the was the not even close to be runner up to the book of the month. Wow, <laughs> it wasn't even close. Well, this was. I told you, I, I I meditated on this for forty hours and came up with this book. But I thought no. See that I thought that was after you'd made the decision. No, no, no. I, that's how I came up with the decision. Then I decided, okay. you know, this there was no way after forty hours of thinking. So, like I said, if you've got any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. We're going to skip the voicemail since we ran long talking about the book of the month, but go buy Comic Book Comics History, whatever it's called. Uh, it's Comic Book History of Comics from IDW Publishing. Yes. It just came out. But um, if this podcast is not enough for you, we have other po- – we we're just a podcast-making machine. Um, we, Factory. It is. Every Monday um, or just about every Monday, we've got iFanboy Don't Miss um, where we talk to a creator about a book coming out this week that you absolutely can't miss. This past week, we had a double feature for you, a double shot as Paul talked to both Ken Gehring of Planetoid and Brian Wood of The Massive. And so because of that, we're skipping this week. So no Don't Miss this week. But – Last Thursday, I talked to John Lehman of Chew um, in iFanboy Talk Explode, uh, which you can check out and go download. Go to iFanboy.com to download that, or you can find the the John Lehman interview in this feed. And if you if you're not subscribed to iFanboy, don't miss. Go to iTunes and subscribe to that now. That's where you can get all those great interviews there. So lots of interviews for you to listen to. Yeah, there's also going to be another one coming out this week. Ooh, uh, should I? Yeah. Should we, it, we, Okay, I think I think I think it's locked down. Uh, I spoke with uh, Gabriel Hardman and Jeff Parker, who are both writer and artists. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you know that. Uh, Jeff used to draw a lot more, and, and Gabe has been doing a lot of writing lately. And we talked uh, not so much about what new book they've got coming out, but about uh, their careers and, and craft and uh, all sorts of really interesting information. Uh, it was a really fun conversation. So that you can look forward to later this week. I also have the Make Comics podcast that comes out on Wednesday mornings. Uh, where I usually speak with Andy Schmidt of Comic Experience, former uh, Marvel editor. He was the guy who actually started that whole Annihilation thing that got Guardians of the Galaxy yep. uh, to the forefront of our lives. He's the uh, Nexus. <laughs> he is the Nexus. And like Jack Kirby, I don't think he's going to get a movie check. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. Um, and all, all, important to note that Make Comics has its own feed in iTunes. So we've been putting it in this feed in the Pick of the Week feed, but we're going to stop doing that soon. So if you like the Make Comics podcast, go to iTunes and go subscribe to it now. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, look for that every Wednesday morning. And they've been good. We just did one. We got another we get every week. Yep. 
And if you look right behind this show on the feed, you can find the Superman vs. the Elite podcast. Superman vs. the Elite's the latest DC Universe animated original movie that I, f- I convened the Animated Brain Trust. The, uh, me and Paul Montgomery and Ryan Hopped and Chris Neesman, we've decided to give ourselves that name. We're going to make a logo. Uh, and we talked about Superman vs. the Elite, the latest uh, animated movie. So you can find that on iFanboy.com. Just stream it on the player or you can go to iTunes and find it behind this show or anywhere you get this podcast. It'll be right behind this show. Excellent. You are. Ooh, I know. I'm just taking a breath. Jesus. Oh, you're. The, well, the thing <laughs> I is, was I was worried about that segment. I was worried that because if you start going, <laughs> I don't, we don't even know. You can check out ifanboy.com. You can read my pick of the week review and my book of the month review and all the great writing that happens throughout the week about all the latest news and and opinions that happen throughout the week in comics. And you, you can also go there ifanboy.com/slash/about and find our social network page. Be our friend on various social networks and go to ifanboy.com. To also go to twitter.com slash ifanboy. That's what I was going to look at the script. Twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy to uh, follow all the latest news from ifanboy. You can write to us at contact at ifanboy.com via email or you can send us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with your questions and comments. Remember, if you want to have your uh, comment on the show, tell us your name. Don't go on for a long time, 30, 45 you know, seconds. Like this week, the big problem was no one told what? us their name. Yeah, there a lot was, of anonymous. There was mo- it was a good way too many anonymous That's voicemails. Connor, they, they get on there and they get nervous. They want it to sound good. They've heard us talking about the rules. They all did great with time. Time wise, it was great. Should, it was you not. Might want to think about it longer. Yes. Tell us your name. You're more likely to get on the show if you tell if you tell us your name. That's true. We like that. Puts the name to the face. So that those that's how you get in touch. Ron, take us home. Something else you can put your name on is a review in iTunes of this podcast, as well as iFanboy Don't Miss, as well as Make Comics, which is a brand new podcast feed in iTunes. So it needs reviews. So get in there. Tell people how good it is and helps people discover podcasts and spread the word. Tell your friends. Go to comic book convention. Tell you know. Tell folks about this great great thing called iFanboy that you like to enjoy because you really think you really they spend a lot of time thinking about comics and you like that. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So cool. All right, well, there. that is it for this week. Uh, many comic books have been read, many soccer games to be watched, so we're going to wrap up. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm sorry, miles away. Uh, Josh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>